Thank you. If you'd like to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Judges for me, please. Book of Judges comes just after Joshua. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Book of Judges, turn to chapter 20 when you're there. Book of Judges, chapter 20. I was reading this last week through Judges, and uh, this text uh, jumped out to me. I'd never really noticed it before. I knew of the passage, but I didn't know of the particular text that we'll look at. It's no doubt that we're in a war today, and it's not just a cultural war, it's not just a personal war, whatever you're going through, I'd be very naive to think that you don't have any problems, that you don't have any struggles or trials or even opposition. There definitely is a war going on. And just for the sake of time, I won't go into the entire chapter or the previous chapter, but the context of this is God gives us an account of an atrocious event that happened at a place called Gibeah, which is found in the land of Benjamin. The land of Benjamin is a small portion of land that was given to the Benjamites. They were the smallest tribe at that time. They were in the south part of Israel amongst where the Israelites inherited the land. And a place called Gibeah, Gibeah means the hill, a place called Gibeah. And such a terrible act happened there that happened to a young lady and a Levite man living in a godless time. And then the final verse in chapter 19 says this, and it was so that all that saw it said, There was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it. Take advice. Speak your minds. This act that happened, a brutal act, a a vile attack on a young lady because of sons of Belial, that be sons of the wicked one that they did. They heard outsiders had come into Gibeah and they were warned not to stay in the street like a similar act that was recorded in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then this is what Gibeah is now known for. Now, word got out to the rest of the tribes. Now, bearing in mind, these are God's people who were given God's laws, his statutes, his testament that was holy, that was completely righteous. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Nothing else can convert the soul of a sinful man. But when they're given the law of God, they're given his commandments. And they turned back on him. And then the Bible says several times in the book of Judges that there was no king in Israel in them days. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. And I can give you parallels and similarities in the day that we live now just in our nation. Not just our nation, but the whole world. How they've turned away from God. How that which can be known of God is manifest in human beings. And they've still turned away from him and gone after their own wicked way. If you will look, we'll go from verse 10 in this chapter. Now, the Israelites heard about this and they thought something has to be done. Something has to be done. We cannot tolerate this wickedness in our land. Why? Because a little leaven, a little bit of wickedness that's tolerated, it leavens the whole lump and it spreads. If you condone one thing, it leads to worse things. And I like the saying, the phrase, the proverb as it were, it's not a scriptural proverb, But what's in the heart of one generation is found in the hand of the next. And what that means is, parents, what you condone and harbor in your heart, your children will end up practicing what you harbor in your heart. And we all know that to be true. 
But the Israelites at the time, they said, we need to do something. We need to nip this in the bud. We need to put a stop to this. If you look in verse 10, it says this. There's a start from verse 9. But now this shall be the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it. And we will take 10 men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel and a hundred of a thousand and a thousand of 10,000 to fetch victual for the people that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. You imagine living in this country and then your entire reputation, your entire name is just ripped to shreds and tarnished by a wicked act of just a small group of people. In verse 11, it says this. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, what wickedness is this that is done among you? Now, therefore, deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. So the context here is there's about 10% of all men that could draw a sword and go to war. 10 of 100, 100 of 1,000, you get the picture. They descend with 400,000 men, nearly half a million men that can draw a sword and fight. They descend on Benjamin, which is the smallest tribe, by the way, And they say, deliver us these people that we may put evil out from among Israel. Benjamin's response is, no, we won't do that. You know what they did? They said, no, they are part of us. We're part of them. They are brothers. What they've done, we condone. We see no issue with that. Who do you think you are coming to tell us what to do? It carries on. The children of of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, 20 and 6,000 men that drew swords, beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all this people were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. Well, The people of Gibeah, the people of Benjamin thought, well, we'll gather our troops. We're not going to stand for this. They're coming to tell us what to do. They think we're wicked. How about we stand up against them? 26,000 men gathered against 400,000, bearing in mind. And then 700 men of Gibeah. It said they could could lash a stone from a sling and hit a hairbreadth. Just pluck a hair off your head. And then that's how accurate they could be. These were men of war. And they thought, no, instead of having peace, instead of purging the iniquity from us that we might honor God and be truly called by his name. No, we'll go to war against our brethren. In verse 17, it says this, And the men of Israel beside Benjamin were numbered 400,000 men that drew swords. And all these were men of war. Now, by the way, we might think that we're quite skilled in the word of God, as it were, because this is our sword. This is my sword. This is what I must use or I fall. I cannot rely on my own strength, especially not physical ability. This is my sword. Maybe I consider myself one of these people that could draw swords if I applied it into our day now. It says, the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, 
Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Judah, which was a tribe, and Judah was the biggest tribe. Judah was the tribe, in fact, that surrounded all of Benjamin. They were a neighboring tribe, closest tribe. And the Lord said, Judah shall be the one to go up and stop this. Now, many reasons that we'll look at why it's in Judah. But here it says that there were men of war. The children of Israel rose up and they went to the house of God and they inquired of God. The Bible in Proverbs, it says, uh, by wise counsel, you make war. You do not just walk into warfare. It's very easy to start a war. Did you know that? If you, if you look through history, it's very easy to start a war. It's very hard to end it. So you better look, if you're going to have a conflict, and these people did against their brethren, they chose the wisest counsel they could find. And the Bible does say, acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he shall direct thy paths. So we believe that God directed these people because he, they acknowledged him. And then we'll see what happens. The Lord said, Judah shall go up first. I believe that it's very important if you are close to someone or you're the closest person to someone, of course, we'd say parents to children, that they should be the people to correct. They should be the people to put them on the straight, a narrow path, as it were. But if there's a, a brother seeing me go astray, I think it's the honorable thing to do. It's his duty to come and correct me and put me on the right path because he's that close to me. Now, Judah was the closest that could be found to Benjamin in verse 19, if you see. The children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. Multitude of people that could fight and draw swords. Verse 21 says this. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground the Israelites that day. Twenty and two thousand men. Can you believe that? 22,000 men. They, they had half, nearly half a million people. They sent out the army of Judah to go out and take out these wicked people, sons of the wicked one, as it were, to stop this wickedness, to put a stop to it. And then 22,000 men died. Why did that happen? They inquired of the Lord. They did that which was right. They're trying to honor God. They're trying to purge out iniquity. And 22,000 of their men died. But look at their response. It says this. And the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and set the battle in array again in the place where they first put themselves in array the first day. You know what they didn't do? They didn't give up. You know what they didn't do? They didn't stop. They didn't run away. They thought, well, we've inquired of the Lord. He told us to go up. Did he not tell them to go up? And is everything that God says true? Yes, it is. He told them to go up. He said even Judah, even more specifically, Judah, go up first. And then God speaks to us individually. He speaks to us specifically that you should go here. You should move here. That it will press you as an individual. And you know it be of God if you check the scriptures and you confirm these things. And then you might think, well, hang on. Next moment, first day, what a letdown. What, what happened there? 22,000 men, what a loss. And then there's many instances in the Bible where it almost seemed they ended up worse by following the words of God. Look at the Israelites when they left Egypt. They end up having to do twice as much labor and they have to go and get their own straw after Moses uh, confronts Pharaoh. And then they turn on Moses and they think, well, things were better when we were just slaves before you came along, Moses. Now, you might think that following the Lord. You might think, well, things aren't going my way. Things aren't even going the way God said. What's happening to me? 22,000 men died. Imagine you were there, brothers dead, 22,000 men. 
But it says this. I love their response. The people, the men of Israel encouraged themselves. They encouraged. You know what it means to encourage? It means to impart strength or courage in the midst of fear and trouble. To impart courage and strength. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. This would be a familiar passage. I love this passage about King David. He's anointed king. He's not king quite yet. 1 Samuel chapter 30, 3 0. You see, we read here in verse 1. When you're there, we'll read from verse 1. It says this about David. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. This is where David was dwelling. This is just on the border of where the Philistines were and God's people were because David was running and he's with his men. And then he leaves Ziklag. And then it says this in verse 2. And had taken captive, taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Imagine being this, especially men. Imagine you go out to war. And by the way, when you go out to war, what are you protecting? What are you fighting for? You go out to war, you leave your your wives, your sisters, your mothers, your children behind. You come back and the enemy has slipped in the back door and taken all of them away. This is what happens when we're most vulnerable, by the way. When we're most vulnerable, this is when the enemy would like to attack us. Not only just do that, but the attacks will come. But how do we respond? Because the discouragement is very hard to bear, isn't it? The discouragement is hard to swallow. And we'll see the response of David in a moment. But they turn back and they cry and they weep until there's no more to come out. Have you ever been to that place before? Ever been that place where you, you struggle to cry because you're that grieved? This is the state of David and his men. In verse 5, and David's two wives were taken captives, Ainoam and Jezreelite, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself. In the Lord is God. So it's not just because when everyone turns against you, what do you do then? And we can encourage each other and we build each other up. The Bible says that the body of Christ, the church of God, it edifies itself. It builds itself up. But what happens when everyone turns on you? What happens when everyone blames you for something that they think went wrong? Do they not believe that God had his hand over it in the first place? Do they not believe that God is with them? And then they turned on David. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. It's all well and good to try and motivate yourself. It's all well and good trying to encourage yourself. But if you do not have God, what are you pursuing? What's your purpose? Encouraging yourself to go where? To do what? Again, without God, where there is no hope, he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. I love what he does. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, give me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? 
Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Recover all. Everything was in the hand of God. Everything was in God's plan. But when the testing comes, how is our response? Christians, if we do not respond the right way. Imagine if David didn't respond the right way. He would have discouraged all of his men. He would have discouraged all of them. But he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then not only that, not only that, just thinking, all right, God is with me. He, he promised that I'd be king. He, he gave me all these promises and God shall not break his promises. God is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. He's not a man that he'd let you down and let you be confounded. But then he seeks the high priest of God. And then David inquired at the Lord. He said, shall I pursue after them? He didn't do anything in a rage or an emotional reaction. He inquired of God after he poured out his heart. Is that your response? Is it even close to that as a response? Go back to Judges chapter 20 with me, please. Judges 20. Now, David done that in spite of all of his troubles, in spite of all of his trials. He inquired of the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, look at the children of Judah. They encouraged themselves and then they set the battle in array again. Verse 23 says this, And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even. They wept all day, all day until even. Now, you might have your struggles and trials But have you wept over them? The Bible says in Psalms, he that goeth forth bearing precious seed, but he that weeps doing it. He that cries, he that grieves over the lost and he takes the word of God and he'll doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with them. Most people forget the weeping part. Most people think, yeah, we go out and preach the gospel, but there's no love and compassion for lost souls. There's no love and compassion for the trials that other people face or the downcast Christian They wept until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? Lord, is this what we should be doing? Should we be doing this? We're set in array. We're ready to fight. We're ready to serve you. Is this what we should be doing against our brother? And the Lord said, Go up against him. And they obey God. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again, 18,000 men. All these drew sword. So now within two days, they've lost 40,000 men. Obeying God, mind. Obeying the word of God. 40,000 men. I thought our God was a God of victory. Could you imagine some of the voices that they would have heard? Could you, we've come down for righteousness sake and then they that are evil are prevailing against us. If you read the Psalms, you'll see psalmists write things like this. Why do the wicked prevail? Why does he glory in his boasting, in his iniquity? And I serve God and I'm downcast like I am. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like God told you to do it? You obeyed the scriptures and then it almost seemed like a letdown. It almost seemed contradictory. But God said it and they obeyed. Now they respond again to the Lord. Verse 26. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up. And came unto the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. You know what their response is? We are still going to seek God. You are not going to stop me pursuing the Lord. Nothing shall. If this didn't stop them, nothing shall. And they went there. They didn't just weep now. 
They fasted, they grieved, they got everyone together, everyone to seek God. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord in verse 27, for the ark of the Lord of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days. Now you had an appointed priest and he had to be from the lineage of Aaron. He had to be. There was no other choice. If a regular man, a common man, just walked into the holy place before the Ark of the Covenant, even touched it, he'd die. He'd die. Because God says, you approach me my way. And then Phineas is there and they inquire of Phineas to intercede for them. The high priest that God appointed saying, shall I go again out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? Lord, what, what are we doing? Shall we go up or should we not? And they, they got the high priest to do his job, to intervene with the Lord. And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow. I will deliver them into thine hand. I'd never noticed this scripture before. The amount of times I've read Judges, I read it to my son. This is a very, very practical book. Very practical. Every account is true. Every account is given by God. But it's a book given in light of reality, in light of the sinful nature of man. So don't be hiding away from it. Real events, true events, but it can apply to us. And how they used a high priest to intercede for them. Now we have a high priest in heaven that abides forever, forever and ever. He maketh intercession for his saints. It says he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. That's what he does continually, continually. We have a high priest that shall never, ever leave his role, never leave his post. He intercedes to the father for us to bring us victory. It says this, go up for tomorrow. I will deliver them into thine hands. How would you be? What would your response be? Well, God let us down. Why would we believe him now? Well, look at all the hurt and the pain I've been through. I think I need a break. Well, look at all this, you know, this Christian living. Look at all the grief it's caused me. Look at all the people that have walked away from me. Going to this church serving, I get no recognition. What's your excuse? It's easy to make excuses. It's easy to back down. Forget your excuses, leave them behind and look to God. Because he's the one that delivers us as salvation is of him. And Israel set liars in wait round about Gibeah. And then the rest of the chapter unfolds the working hand of God, how he confounds the wicked, but then proves himself to be faithful through his people and then shows that his people can also depend on him in the toughest of circumstances. They sought once, they sought twice with weeping and again with fasting and prayers continually. Is that how we are? Think of your unsaved loved ones. Think of this wicked world around us. Think of the intercession that we should be making. Or do we just give up in the midst of the fight? Do we just give up in the midst of the struggle and the trial? It's too hard for us. Lord, come quickly. Is that that how we respond? If you'll go to uh, the book of James with me. Book of James, chapter 4. And the Bible says that if God's people... If we, which are called by his name, you call yourself a Christian, you say, I am a follower of Christ. I belong to him. If my people, which are called by my name, he's talking to you, shall humble themselves and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Yes, turn from your wicked ways. Then he'll hear from heaven. 
Would you like your cries to enter into the Lord of Sabaoth? Uh, that's literally next, next chapter in uh, chapter five, it says that. In verse four, I just come to mind. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them that have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now, James chapter five starts off rebuking the rich. And what they do, they'd have, they'd have people work in their fields, cut down the harvest, but they wouldn't pay them. They'd send them on their way empty after earning a good, honest living. I don't know if you've ever been ripped off before. You ever, you ever had a check that bounced? You ever had uh, someone dodge you some money before? I've had that before. It's a horrible thing. What do you do? And it says this, the cries of them which have reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You know what that means? It means the Lord of hosts. What's a host? It's an army. God has a heavenly army and in your cries enter into his ears. If we humble ourselves, if we pray, if we turn from our wicked ways, God shall hear from heaven. You believe almighty God shall hear the cries of us from heaven. And then he'll intercede and he will heal our land. He will heal our land. Is that a desire that you have or not? He will heal our land. He will do that. James chapter four says this. In verse Three, it says this, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And the Bible says, should we, should we have allegiance and confederate with the ungodly? And the Bible says that he is against you for having confederate with the ungodly. But he says this, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world, the friendship of the world is likened to adultery, likened unto you turning your back on God who's faithful to you, who saved you and provides for you and loves and cares for you, and then you turn your back on him and you go after the things of this world. It's likened unto adultery. Verse five, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but... But the Lord knows our frame. The Lord knows how prone we are to wander. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud. He resists the proud. Would you like God to resist you today? In your cries, in your prayers, in the midst of your pride, would you like God to resist you? That's a shameful place to be. But he giveth grace to the humble. You know what that means? He gives them ear. He shows favor to them. He's gracious to them that are humble and seek him. If we humble ourselves, he will hear from heaven. If we humble ourselves, he'll give us grace. More grace, exceeding abundant grace that he'll give to us. Verse seven says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love that verse. Resist the devil. You know what that means? Someone's trying to knock your door and you put your foot there and you hold that door as best you can. Don't let him in. Verse 8 says this, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. He will draw nigh to you. You know what that means? He wants to. He wants to draw nigh and have fellowship with us. If we'll draw nigh to him. But is it what you want? If not, God can leave you in your misery, leave you in the chastening state that you desire to be, or you can draw near to God and receive grace. And he hears you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, 
and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I'd like to see this church lifted up. I'd like to see this nation actually lifted up. Righteousness exalts a nation, Proverbs says. But sin is a reproach to any people. You know what that means? No one's above the reproach of sin. As the scriptures say, a little leaven, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Are you comfortable in the culture that we're in, Christian? I mean, the children of Israel, they're ready to go to war to preserve righteousness and godliness. They're ready to purge it from their uh, culture and society. What, what are we willing to do? Where's the fight in spirit? Or are we just happy to roll along in our prosperity, in our comfort? Well, if I keep my mouth shut, I get my paycheck and I'm fine. I have no problems. No one bothers me. I don't bother them. The Bible says make a stand. Make a stand. The children of Israel did. And some might go back to Judges chapter 20, please. The children of Israel did. But some would say, well, where was their God? Where was their God? What a letdown. No, no, no. As David encouraged himself in his God, he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's how we should be. First sight, don't run with fear. Encourage yourself. Encourage yourself when it's only you. And I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure you've had that. I remember being in a place I, I felt awful. I didn't even feel like God was with me. And I, someone told me, read the Psalms, read the Psalms. They'll comfort your heart. They'll help you greatly. I remember reading the Psalms and weeping and I was trying to seek God. I was on my sofa. I read in the Psalms early on, David said, the Lord is at my right hand. I thought, I don't feel like the Lord's at my right hand. What do I do? What do I do? We don't follow our feelings. What should we do? Have faith in his word. The Israelites believed God and they did not give up. They did not give up. Go back to the scriptures. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days. That's the Ark of the Covenant, where they'd keep the tablets, the Ten Commandments. Shall I yet again go to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? Inquiring of the Lord is all that we can do. I heard a preacher say, when all you realize you have is Christ, that's when you realize he's all you need. And you might believe that doctrinally. You might believe that because the Bible said it or a Christian told it to you. But when you come to that place, you know it because you've experienced his love and his grace in a personal way. Now, if you go to uh, Proverbs chapter 20 quickly, and we'll end on this. Proverbs 20, Proverbs chapter 20. The Bible says that there was no king. It says it over and over again. I thought, why, why does it say there's no king in Israel in those days? Everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. There was no king. I thought they had the laws of God. Why, why would they not do right if there was no king? Now, the Bible said they did wickedly because they sought a king like everyone else. They saw the Philistines, they saw the Ammonites, they saw the Moabites, and they thought, we want to have a king like everyone else. We want to be just like them. I mean, look at us having no king. How shameful. They cared more about how they looked to the heathen. God was their king, and they rejected him later on. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, uh, later on it says, mercy, uh, verse 28, mercy and truth preserve the king and his throne is upholden in mercy. Now we have a king, an eternal king, the king of heaven, and he abides forever. His kingdom is forever, is it not? 
and his kingdom, his throne is truly upholden in mercy. If we have a king in his rightful place, righteousness shall be exalted. And I don't mean we get rid of the queen. I don't mean we overthrow the monarchy and have a revolution. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying the throne of your heart is missing its rightful king. And you know who he is. If you're a believer, you know where he belongs. Have you left him behind? It also says that, uh, let me find it. I didn't underline it here. It says here in verse 8 of Proverbs, A king that sitteth in the throne of judgment scattereth away evil with his eyes. And there's a later scripture in Proverbs 20 that says the same. He scatters away evil just by looking, just by looking, just with his presence. He scatters away evil. How's your heart? Is it breeding iniquity? Have you got a hard, dark heart? Christians should have a joyful heart, an uplifted heart, a redeemed heart with Christ sat on the throne of it, with a new song ready to praise him for. But if the king is there, he will scatter away evil just with his eyes, just with a look. Just the the fiery eyes of Christ can purge evil from our hearts if we let him have his rightful place. If we want to see healing, we need to seek God. If we want to see victory, if we want to see change, it's going to happen with God's people. It's going to happen if we seek him. It's going to happen if we humble ourselves. Over and over again, I see that. Maybe I think God's shown me more of it personally. If we seek him, if we humble ourselves, if we pray and turn from our wicked ways. I don't know what you do in your personal life. I don't know what you do at home, what you harbor, what you watch, what you do, what you listen to. If there's any wicked way, I'd ask God to reveal it to you. Now, there are many instances, if you think of Joshua, they went to Ai to battle and there was someone who brought sin into the camp. And it, wasn't, it didn't just affect him and his family, it affected everyone. Sin in the camp destroyed the battlefield, the Israelites in the battlefield. Bringing sin into the camp can destroy God's work moving forward. Joshua falls on his knees. He says, why, Lord, why? Why has this happened? You know, the walls of Jericho fell down. We go up to Ai and he says, get up, purge it out. Christians, this is the day in which we ought to seek God and take him seriously. Very, very seriously. This isn't just an easy ride. It's not a joke. It's not an identity we have. We have a true living God who will deliver us who will answer prayer and he'll help us. If you want victory, Christian, seek God. Don't give up. A brother said to me just before the service, what should I do if I don't think God's hearing me or answering my prayers? Keep seeking him. Continue to do so like the Israelites did. Keep going. The enemy would love to discourage you from seeking God. The enemy wanted to stop Daniel praying to his God. He kept doing so, didn't he? Example after example we have in the Bible. Obey God, listen to his word, and seek him. And he will help us, and he'll bless us. It'd be a cry and shame if we caused harm to the work of God by not doing it. Let's pray together. Thank you. Father in heaven, we do pray and ask you for forgiveness. We ask you to purge out maybe the lethargy, maybe the laziness, maybe being procrastinate, maybe being occupied with our own things and not with things above. Please change our affections for our King in heaven. We do pray that we wouldn't put anything on our heart. We do pray that we'd even flee from idolatry 
including whether it be a comfortable life, whether it be money, whether it be anything else, a proud name. We do pray that you'd purge us, Lord. Help Christ to be sat where he ought to be on the throne of our hearts. Do pray that you'd speak to me. Help me to remember all that I've shared. Do pray that you'd be with all of us. Please give us victory, Father. And when we face opposition, when the enemy attacks, even when we're weakest, help us to be on guard. Help us to take heed lest we fall. Do be with us. Bless our families. Protect them. Bless our church. Protect them. Help the leadership. Help the fathers in this place. Help the husbands, the mothers, the wives. Do bless them all, Lord, as they seek you. We do pray that you'd honor us and answer us here as we seek to honor you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.